Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. I'm your host Andy, and I'm back with our three regular hosts, regular guests of um, Alex, Naim, and Ryan. How are you, boys? Good, thank you. Good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, I'm all good, yeah. mate. All good to hear. So you're all good and well. That's always good. Um, so yeah, this week we're going to go through our normal sort of routine. We're going to go through all four leagues, give you sort of a round of what happened um, in in the weekend just gone. So explaining what happened, and we'll then um, we'll go from there. So our first league is going to be a man who's not going to be on a lot pod for long this week, um, Naeem. So what is happening? What happened in Spain? Yeah, so with um, some of the other European leagues, um, there's been obviously games on a weekend, and then they've had another round of fixtures uh, this week as well, midweek. Um, so on last Friday, saw Celta Vigo take on Cadiz. Celta Vigo actually they they. They uh, went down two goals in the first half. Before, in the second half, Santamina got a, a consolation goal back. So, in the end, that game ended 2-1. The second game, so there was, there was uh, four games on the weekend, on the Saturday, that is. Uh, the first one I'll go through is Raya Vallecano. They managed to get a 3-0 win at home to Getafe. Um, at as you all may know, um, obviously Falcao has come back to Spain after um, after being being all around Europe. He actually came on as a sub in the 71st minute and uh, got his first goal back in La Liga uh, 10 minutes later to make it 3-0. The second game on Saturday saw Atletico Madrid draw 0-0 at home with Atleti Club. Jao Felix actually got sent off for two yellow uh, for a second yellow um, after he, his first. Yellow was a foul, and then he got sent off straight away with a second yellow uh, with an argument with the ref. Third game was uh, Elche. They drew one all with Levante. Not much to really report on there. And then the last game on Saturday saw Osasuna win 2-0 away against Deportivo. On the Sunday, saw a couple more draws. So Mallorca, they drew 0-0 with Villarreal. Uh, Real Sociedad, they um, also drew, drew 0-0 with Sevilla. Um, and, and Real Betis, they drew 2-0 with Espanyol. And then on the Sunday... So, sorry. Uh, this is another game that was on the um, Saturday as well. So, Valencia, um, they lost 2-1 to Real Madrid after going 1-0 up to a good goal from Hugo Duro. But... Two quick goals in the last 10 minutes from Vinicius Jr. and the informed Benzema saw them win 2-1. So they still haven't lost a game yet this season, Real Madrid. And then on the Monday, um, as you all probably know, Barcelona drew 1-1 with Granada. Um, I heard there was a fact in that game. Uh, Barcelona, I think they attempted 50 crosses in the game. I think that was a league record. Um, yeah, they was pretty much all over Granada, but... Yeah, there's something wrong with the Barcelona team at the moment. They, they also um, they also had a forty thousand stadium capacity, but only twenty seven thousand turned up. It was really empty that game. I watched it. It was like, all, yeah, all weird. It's so weird. because well, I know obviously in the La Liga, there's uh, the stadium capacity is only forty percent at the moment. But if less than half people are going to the new camp, then yeah, there's, there's certainly something wrong. Um, so yeah, there, as I was saying before, there was another round of fixtures. Um, that kicked off on Tuesday. Uh, Atletico Madrid, they bounced back from their 0-0 draw on the weekend uh, with a 2-1 win against Getafe. Uh, Luis Suarez got both of the goals. 
Um, that was before, obviously, Carlos Alina, he got sent off with a straight red in the 74th minute with a dangerous tackle. Uh, Rio Vallecano, they they played Athletic Club. Uh, Athletic Club went 1-0 down in the fifth, fifth minute to Alvaro Garcia before an own goal from Ismaili Sis, or so, however, you, however you say his name, um, to lever it 1-0. And like the previous game for Rio Vallecano, uh, Falcao came on again this time. He came on in the 76th minute and he managed to score a 96th minute, minute uh, winner header from a Bebe, Co- Bebe Cross, um, that forgotten Man United man. So, yeah, he's um, doing he's doing all right so far at um, Rio Vallecano. Uh, the next game saw Athletic Club. They lost... Oh, sorry, no, that, was, that was the same game, sorry. <laughs> um, next game was Levante. They, they lost 2-0 at home to Celta Vigo. Sevilla, they, they won 3-1 against Valencia um, after scoring three goals in the first 22 minutes. And uh, Valencia, they got a goal back in the first half to make it 3-1. So there's no no goals in the second half in that game. Uh, Espanyol, they won 1-0 against Deportivo. Uh, Villarreal, they beat Elche 4-1 for the first win this season after drawing uh, the previous uh, five games and losing one. And in Real Madrid, they, they played Mallorca last night. And they won six one after going three one up in the first half, and yeah, they they got another they got another three goals in the second half. And Benzema he got two goals and two assists in that game, so that leaves his tally for the season with seven goals and seven assists. Um, wow. And there's there's three more there's three more games um, to that tonight, uh, which. They got two at half six. We got Osasuna against Real Betis, Granada against uh, Real Sociedad, and Barcelona away to Cadiz at uh, nine o'clock. So that's a quick little rundown of the games in that in that league. So I'll just tell you who's in the top six. So Real Madrid are top with sixteen points. Atletico Madrid are two points behind on fourteen um, in second place. Third place is Sevilla. Uh, they still haven't lost a game yet. Fourth place is Valencia. Um, after a good start to the season, um, they have now lost their last two games. Rayo Vallecano, um, they're in fifth place with ten points. They're, they're doing all right so far this season after coming up last season. And in sixth, the last European spot is Real Sociedad at the moment, um, also won ten points. In the bottom three is Alves. They're rock bottom. They've not won a single game, only scoring one goal and conceding eleven. Nineteenth uh, place is Getafe. They also haven't won a game yet, and they've lost six. And in 18 places, Granada, who haven't won a game yet, but they've drawn three and lost two. And quickly, before I finish, I'll just quickly round up um, the Spanish teams in the European competitions in game week one. So uh, the first game week saw Barcelona. They lost 3-0 at home to Bayern Munich, and they were um, totally outplayed in that game. Villarreal, they drew 2-2 with Atlanta after going 2-1 up. Sevilla, they also drew, um, drew and they drew 1-1 with Red Bull Salzburg. Atletico Madrid, they, who are in Liverpool's group, they drew 0-0 with Porto. And the last Spanish team in the Champions League, uh, Real Madrid, beat Inter Milan 1-0 away. And there's only two teams in the Europa League, um, as Villarreal, they won the the Europa League against Manchester United and they finished seventh. So uh, their Conference League place um, was just um, disbanished. So PSV, they drew 2-2 with Real Sociedad and Real Betis, they beat Celtic 4-3 after going 2-0 down. 
And lastly, uh, the goal of, goal of the week, um, in my opinion, was Rafa Mir. He's uh, for Sevilla against Valencia. Um, it was the third goal um, that they did score in the first 30 minutes. It was a long ball uh, from Fernando from his own half. Uh, Rafa Mir, he pretty much ran onto it, beating the, the last defender. The ball bounced about two to three times before a first-time hit on the half-volley from Rafa Mir, who lobbed it over the goalkeeper. And my play of the week, although they did draw 1-1 at home, was Ronaldo Arujo for Barcelona, the centre-back. Um, he was... He, he was um, he was pretty good defensively, um, obviously, although Barcelona, they did create a lot of chances. But, yeah, that's a quick roundup of the league and the European games this week. Um, I'm going to urge you, you need to go name, so feel free to now. But I wanted to get a quick debate going um, with yeah. all of us, really. Um, there was also talk of Ronald Koeman losing his job. And I think they this, this said that he actually walked out of a press conference um, the other day after their 1-1 draw with Granada. Uh, there's been rumoured to be a five-man shortlist um, from Barcelona. Um, this is Xavi, Andrea Pirlo, Antonio Conte, Philip Koku and Joachim Lowe. Um, I just want to see sort of, um, I think Xavi's Dan's favourite, but that could just be because of where he played as a player. Yeah. Um, so I just want to get from all of it really. Who do you think, if Koeman, I think it's inevitable he will lose his job one day. Um, which manager out of those do you think is the best suited? Is it also any other manager that you can think of that that is available that would be better suited to the job? Uh, out, go so, on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, out of the five you've listed, I'd probably say Conte's probably mm-hmm. the best one there because obviously, although obviously Barcelona are in quite a lot of debt, I reckon he could probably do a, a good enough job to get him a good good position for like the next two to three years, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to give a, the job to a Chavi, I know obviously he's um, he's out. Is it in the Middle East he's uh, managing at the moment? Yeah, uh, guitar, guitar, guitar. That's the one. Yeah. So um, I think if you give it to him now, it's a bit of a, it's kind of like a rebuild job out in Barcelona, similar to what we're mm-hmm. uh, doing at Arsenal. But I think you need an experienced manager to come in um, and to get them on track. You know, bring a few players in, get rid of a few, um, and then hand it on to the next person. But uh, Pirlo, although he did win two cups at Juventus last season, um, he's still an experienced himself in the managerial terms. Um, Joachim Lowe, he hasn't really managed uh, club football in God knows how long after he's been out of Germany for see, more than um, 10 years. So, yeah, I reckon Conte would probably be the best fit. But with Conte, if he does fall out with the board, then, yeah, it kind of does turn sour. But for him to do a job for about two to three years, I reckon he um, he would probably do well. And... You know, he's still he's looking for a job, and there's not many other teams out there that really do need managers at the moment. So, out of the five you've listed, I, re- I would say Conte is the best suit, in my opinion. Okay, fantastic. But yeah, um, if you raise nine, you have to go and forty. So, it's been a pleasure having you on this week as normal nine, and we'll, yeah, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Take care, mate. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. But yeah, what do you boys think, Alex from Ryan? Do you think if I sort of candidates they've mentioned, one of them should get a job or uh, is there sort of anyone else that you'd have um, that's, that can get a job, go for it? Uh, I don't think any of them five would be suitable, in my opinion. I don't yeah. think Conte would be all wrong, in my opinion, because, again, he's someone who likes to spend money. They have no money to spend. And he's not really one to work with, you know, the young talent that they've got there, in my opinion. So, I think he's out. Xavi, you know, he don't really know what you're going to get. So 
unknown quality, something that they don't need at the moment. Uh, Joachim Lowe ain't good enough. And who are the other names? Uh, Philip Koku and um, Andrea Perlo. Neither of them are, are good enough for that job either. So that's them five out. The other name I did see on Twitter was Roberto Martinez. Oh, with, oh, that's a stinker. With, with Thierry as his assistant, that which would be um, surprising. I, for me, if 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 I was in charge of Barcelona, two names that I would love in there, both different ages, to be fair. One is Eric Ten Hag from Ajax, mm-hmm. who has done a brilliant job working not only with young players, but players at the other end of their careers as well um, at Ajax, also revitalised some players, you know, Sebastian Haller being a prime example of that. Um, the other one is Arsene Wenger. Uh, I, I wonder, <laughs> I, I, I do, because they've tried to get him before, um, serve Real Madrid. Um, I wonder if he'd be tempted back into it. I, it won't happen, but I'd love to... I'd love to see it, you know, Wenger ball at the Camp Nou would be would be brilliant to see. But, yeah, I don't know. They'll make a shocking appointment anyway because it's Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I will get your views in a minute, Alex. Um, but one thing, Barca, they have sort of identity that they try and hire managers based on. Swansea have a similar sort of thing where they hire managers based on the kind of football they play. And I do think that... Um, People like Wenger. I know he probably is a bit too old now for the job, but if they were, th- if they were to get someone like him, or Ma- uh, it would be for that reason, probably because the style of football he tries to play. And it's the same thing, even though I don't read him as a manager. I mean, Martinez plays the right football, and he's got that thing on the CV now of managing Belgium. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think Martinez could be the guy they hire, which I don't think would be the right appointment. But I think if they're going to want someone who's going to play, you know, nice football, um, I think, and like pretty football, tiki tacks, etc. Uh, I, I do think potentially they will look at someone like Martinez because, I mean, Conte, I think, is the best manager available in the world right now. But I, I think I agree with you. I don't think he's going to want to go to a club where he's not going to spend any money. I think that's probably why he left um, Juve in the first place, Inter Milan in the first place. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that I don't know much about Koku. Um, I don't, obviously, we don't know to the Javi and Perdo has only had one year at Juve where he got the sack. Um, so I don't think there's many managers out there, um, but I, I do think it probably probably will be Martinez, probably just for that reason of the kind of football he plays. But out of this five, um, I think I think personally they're going to go down the Javi route. I think personally they'll they'll think you know what, bring someone who knows the club, someone who um, has yeah. obviously played there loads of time, had success there, and I think maybe they think you know what, we've tried the experience in Martinez, it's like in Kuman, it's not worked. Maybe we'll try someone who's who's young. Who's a, a fresh manager with fresh ideas, and maybe he'll go down that route and take Xavi. Um, but what do you think, Alex, on this one? Well, it's just a choice of shit, 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 and <laughs> shit, really. I mean, I to get short with Swift, if I was Barcelona, I'd go for Xavi because he's probably going to have the cheapest wages. He's not going to do too much worse than Bobby Martinez. He's not going to do too much worse than Philip Koku. He's not going to do too much worse than Ronald Koeman. He's, he's going to cost what, like, maybe 30 grand a week you might as well at this point i mean just wait till you have the money to like just wait till ralph ragnick gets bored in russia and then like take him back because mm. i think he, he was interested before they need like a seismic option and if they hire antonio conte i i'd put a bet on sky sports to say like if they wouldn't make it till christmas it'd be the shortest appointment in history the moment transfers came up 
they'd like blow each other's head off. By they, I mean <laughs> the board and Conte. So uh, yeah. yeah, just get Chavi because he's cheap. But yeah, they, I mean, they 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 need a bit of longevity. They need someone who's going to stay there for a good three, four, five years. You know, not 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 a short term fix because they're in no such thing when you got you know a debt like they have as well. So, um, but the issue even, is what manager? What manager? Like, say say you're say you're the marketing assistant for the the Barcelona recruitment team, and you say, okay, Jurgen Klopp. We know you have this style of football. Um, we would like you to come and implement it. Um, we can offer you about five pounds in transfer budget, and uh, right now we can offer you Luke Dion and Ricky Pooch. Like, that's unfair on Ricky Pooch. I like him. I like him too, but it's like you've just got like no manager. Like you, the only managers that are going to come in are the ones that are going to enjoy the opportunity and will stay for as long as possible, and in likelihood they probably won't do too well, or the ones who are really, really good, but they'll, they won't last too long because as soon as they go for a summer and have no recruitment, then they'll just quit out of anger. I mean, they've got a good a good 1-11. to 11. They just got They have no squad depth. If only yeah. Graham Potter spoke Spanish. He would... You know, that's, that's not a bad shout at all, either. <laughs> mm. He's done a good job with his overall. He's done an amazing job this season. I tell. Oh God! I mean, that was do you know what? Super, Might as well. He's probably cheap on the wages too. Get rid of him. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't think. Um, I don't think maybe he's got that pep link, isn't he? I suppose, but I don't think they'll be in a bad shape for too many years because, especially now with sort of things getting back to normal, I think they'll find the money from somewhere quite quick. Oh no man, you, you should have seen their stadium on Monday night. Like that 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 really it sold was it bad. Me. It was yeah, it, it, it was bad, but it's just the fact that it was like thirteen thousand under capacity and the only reason was fans not turning up. Yeah, I do think it'll you know they I think they are just a club that is too big to go too far. I mean, Andy, Andy DM'd me on Instagram, right? But his take of Man United and Real Madrid being the biggest clubs in the world and Barcelona being third has aged quite well. And mine, to be fair. He I, said the same, yes, but it's aged quite well. It's quite it's quite funny, though, because I don't know which podcast it was. I called out Ronald Koeman for being shit, and Naeem especially, and I think Andy as well, actually defended him and said he was actually a decent manager. And no, no that, that couldn't be me about Koeman, no. I don't think I ever... Did I, don't gonna... him? I, don't, I don't think I did. It's probably me. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Kim is that. I don't think he's actually done that bad with Barcelona. I think he's just given up at this point, which you can't blame him for. He pressed the storm out button on Football Manager. That's what he did. <laughs> but we mentioned Brighton. We're now going to move on to the Premier League, as um, the Premier League um, saw um, no real. Not real shock results. There was almost one on Sunday, but on the Friday, Newcastle and Leeds drew one-one with goals from Rafinha and Saint Maximum. Saturday lunchtime saw Brentford beat two balls two-nil at Molyneux with goals from Ivan Tony on a penalty spot and um, Buemo. Um, Arsenal got a win one-nil away to Burnley with Martin Udegaard scoring a sublime free kick. 
Um, Liverpool beat Palace 3-0 with goals from Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah and Naby Keita. Uh, Keita's goal was an excellent volley and Sadio Mane scored his 100th Liverpool goal. Uh, Man City and Southampton drew 0-0. Um, City actually only registered one shot on target the whole game. Only the second time in Pep's time as manager have they done this. Uh, Watford beat um, Norwich 3-1. Uh, two goals from Saar as well as one from Manuel Dennis as well as a goal from Timo Puki in amongst it for Norwich. Um, and then the, the Saturday evening game saw Aston Villa beat Everton 3-0 thanks to uh, goals from Matty Cash, Leon Bailey and a own goal from Lucas Digne, which did affect my fantasy team quite a bit. Um, talking to Brighton on Sunday, they won 2-1 against Leicester uh, with goals from Neil Mulpai and Danny Welbeck before a consolation goal from Jamie Vardy. However, the main talking point from this game was the, in my opinion, horrendous officiating, which saw um, Leicester score thought they scored two two goals in the game. Both goals were ruled out, um, strangely, uh, which I think they're completely both incorrect decisions. And then Sunday, um, so West Ham and Man U played out a 2-1 win for Manchester United. Um, Side Ben Rama scored the opener before um, Cristiano Ronaldo quickly responded. But then later on in the game, Jesse Lingard scored against his former club um, in the last 10 minutes. And then... Um, Man U thought they got a penalty, which was incorrectly not given before West Ham then got a penalty, which was originally not given before VAR overruled this decision. Um, club captain Mark Noble came off the bench specifically to take the penalty, but this was saved by David De Gea, his first penalty save since um, 2016 when he saved a Lukaku penalty in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, the final game of the week saw Chelsea dominate Spurs, particularly the second half, with a 3-0 win at the Tottenham Stadium. Uh, goals from Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger and N'Golo Kante scored the goals. We actually did a poll beforehand um, who we thought would score the first goal. We, know we put down people like Son, Harry Kane, Lukaku. So anyone who, who, who thought there'd be no three scoring the goals would have been a genius because no one thought the three goals would come from two centre-backs and a holding mid who, who hardly ever scores. Um, in terms of the table, I mean, um, it's very tight at the top. Um, Chelsea can only lead uh, by virtue of goal difference. Not even that. I think even goals scored because they've both Liverpool and Chelsea have 13 points, both having 11, 11 uh, goal difference. Um, Manuel in third with two with nine plus nine goal difference with 13 points. Um, fourth place is Brighton with 12 points before City are in fifth with 10. Down at the bottom, Norwich is still waiting for a point. They've lost all five games with zero points. Burnley are in 19th with one point. 18th is Newcastle with two before Leeds and Wolves are 17th and 16th respectively with um, three points each. Now, um, shameless plug, I did do an article on this today uh, or even last night on um, the being, this could be one of the best title, title races in years uh, with Man U, Chelsea, Arsenal, no, not Arsenal, Man U, Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, all looking excellent so far this season. Um, so I want to get from you guys, I realise there's only five games in, it's probably a way to really prediction, but who do you got after what you've seen so far this Premier League season? Um, who do you feel um, will go on and win the league come come May? Well, Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea I, I think Chelsea. They look the best all round. They've got. I think City the only team that could possibly beat them in depth. But I do think that Chelsea for me look excellent. I think that um, the way Tuchel has this team playing is really good. You look at the way they're so solid defensively. I mean, if they get a one 0 lead, 
how often do we see them under Tuchel giving way that lead? It's very rare I've seen it happen. But also they can sting you on the counter-attack. They can... Um, so I think that they're just excellent on both ends of the both ends of the ball. I think they're just really just impressive. And I think one thing that... we should one thing we should clear up, look, because I see the thing coming around. I said they like play five at the back and they're a defensive team, but they're just not. Like no, no, not what, one of the things that bothers me is when people say, "Oh, they they play Hudson Adoy at right wing back." If Hudson Adoy is a right wing back, he's like the most attacking right wing back like to ever play. Well, beyond Danny Alves. Because he, he just like starts at right mid and pushes all the way down the wing. So I think, because I, I, I mentioned it because I've seen it floating around in discussion to kind of bring Chelsea into court, I guess, down because defensive football somehow seen as bad. And it's not that. And I think, yeah, Chelsea are winning the league because, mainly because of Thomas Tuchel. I think mm. he's the best manager in the world at the moment. And I, I, do you know what? Go, we'll take it one step further because I always like to do this. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm to say Chelsea are challenging for a treble. And. Yeah. I think they're on similar levels as Liverpool. Uh, if they get past City this weekend, I think they're on a similar level to Liverpool in terms of they could go unbeaten. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they will probably, I think they will probably take less interest in the cup. But even then, look at the a team they got. People like Hakim Ziyech and Pulisic who don't play, who probably cannot play in cup games. They can play people like they can play Chilwell one game, Alonso the next. They can play. Ruben Loftus-Cheek just game. came back and had a blinder midweek against Aston Villa. Yeah. Yeah, and they can have Timo Werner play, give Lukaku a rest. They can, um, they got people like they got, they can play Saul now and again. They got Saul, Kovacic, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, they go to Kante, Jorginho. They're, the plethora they've got in that midfield and attack is just excellent. I think they've got such a good depth, probably only topped by City. But um, I do think that you know, as well, they can play three to back one game, they can do four, three, three the next. They're very sort of, they can adapt easily to any sort of formation change that Tuchel does. And I think that's really. Praise not only Tuchel, but also the players and how they've sort of adjusted and adapted to Tuchel's way of playing in his system. I do think people that maybe sort of um, looking over, sort of um, undervaluing Matati in their, their poor start, in that they started actually worse after five games last year. And everyone mentions about the fact that, yes, they've lost Aguero, not replaced him, but he didn't score goal until March last year. And by then, they, they still, they were pretty much champion select already. So I do think City is still going to be there. And I do think that. They, 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 do, they do start slow most seasons, but I do think that um, they will be there and thereabouts come the end of the season. Um, I think Jesus, while he may not get the goals, but they've played people like Raheem Sterling, Mahrez, even De Bruyne, Phil Foden. They've all played them at false nine and won games. Um, so I, I don't know. I think City will still be there. I think they probably are. Che- Devin Chelsea are probably the two favourites, I say. With Manu Liverpool, I think with Ronaldo, I think that gives any team a chance to win games and win trophies because they aren't playing well, but a lot of teams that win trophies do win ugly. And then Liverpool, if our team stays fit, that's a big if, that will be in there as well. Um, but what do you think, Ryan? Well, Chelsea won't blitz it. It won't be a dominant title no. win, if, if, in my opinion. It will, it will be between those top four. And I'm going to say now that between that top four, they'll only be separated probably by about nine points. I think it'll yeah. be extremely close between them four. And I think that at the moment, with their squads looking the way they are, they are cut above the rest of the 16 teams. Um, but again, they'll all hit different patches of form. You know, I think Chelsea will go through a patch at some stage this season where they'll maybe draw a few games or lose a few games. But one thing that impresses me most about them is, again, you mentioned about them on the counter-attack when you look at their team it doesn't strike you as a team 
that would actually play counter-attack in football. No, no, not at all. They play Aspilicueta, like right wing back slash you know, right midfield, who isn't quick, that really. Marcus Alonso isn't that quick either anymore. And then they have like Mason Mount and Havertz kind of more centrally, just behind Lukaku. Lukaku isn't that quick. I mean, he's all right. And But even Havertz and Mount don't strike you as like pacey wingers. They are quick, but then, you know, this... That is what impressed me. They the build up play is just so mm. quick how they get the ball forward and the passing in the team is is really good. So, you know, it definitely in beyond the realms of possibility that they could win, you know, one, two, three, you know, maybe four trophies, who knows? But it'll be it'll be interesting. Um mm. you know, can't write off Arsenal, two back to back, one near wins. <laughs> back in the game. I think one thing that Neutral fans have been devoid of in recent years is, is a good title race. Look at the, with the exception of obviously the year that City won it in eighteen nineteen, there was one point separating um, two teams. Look at last season, there was twelve points separating two teams. Nineteen twenty was eighteen points. Seventeen eighteen, it was nineteen. Really, the last ten years, there's not been many sort of. Look at twenty obviously twenty eleven twelve is the benchmark. That was the, except, the exceptional year. And thirteen fourteen was two points, but. 2011, 2010, 11 was nine. 2012, 13 was 11 points. 14, 15 was eight points. 15, 16 was 10 points between first and second. 16, 17 was seven points. So really, the last 10 years or so, there's not been many sort of really when, great title races. When when would, I mean, you'd probably say the last title race actually involving more than two teams was uh, Liverpool, Chelsea and City. Mm. Don't, uh, don't mention that season to me. <laughs> apart, <laughs> apart from that, I can't remember the last time, you know, no. not only three, but four teams would be involved yeah. in one. So, yeah, I mean, we needed I mean, it as well. Yeah, I mean, you get these off the family gears from like the 90s and all that, where um, even the 80,000s when teams have really. I remember when I first started watching Premier League in like 2002, there was points where it was like, I think it was Manu. Arsenal, Newcastle, Leeds, or something until like the last five games, and it, it was just Man yeah. Arsenal. But um, in terms of my my awards, I think in terms of the best goal of the weekend, I wanted to give it to um, Leicester's goal, where the, the Vardy goal that was really good, sort of a really good uh, team goal in terms of the amount of one touch plays in that move. But it was a consolation goal in the end, so I'm going to give it to Martin Udegaard for his free kick against Burnley. I think hey. that, that was an exceptional <laughs> exceptional free kick. Um, and I think that it was just, I mean, to get that that sort of top bins left corner, uh, beat the walls well, it, it was exceptional. Um, in terms of performance of the week, sorry, player of the week, I think anyone in that Chelsea game, um, you could argue, get, gets it. Uh, I'm going to go with Antonio Rudiger, just for the fact that how solid Chelsea were defensively. And then he goes and gets one of the goals as well, which kills off the game. So I'm giving my player of the week to Antonio Rudiger. Now, we're going to move on to um, Rudiger's former division, um, Serie A. So, Ryan, um, what's happened this weekend with with, um, with Italian football? Well, obviously, we had last weekend and we've had this week as well with the midweek fixtures. So, a lot to get through. I'll start with the previous Friday in which Sassuolo hosted Torino. Torino came out winners in that game by just one goal. Moving on to the Saturday, Genoa hosted Fiorentina. Fiorentina won that game 2-1 to continue their impressive start to the season. 
Inter Milan won 6-1 against uh, Bologna. Five different goal scorers in that game, including two from Edin Dzeko. And the last game on the Saturday was Salernitana, who lost 1-0 at home to Atalanta. Moving on to Sunday, Empoli lost 3-0 to Sampdoria. With anyone who doesn't get the reference, I'll explain later why I don't like Empoli. Um, moving on, uh, Venetia, in the battle of the newly promoted teams, were beaten one. Uh, sorry, but were beaten two-one by Spezia, a 94-minute uh, goal from Thiago Motta's team uh, got them the three points. Lazio drew two-two with Cagliari. Uh, Verona beat Roma three-two. And this was my goal of the week from Davide Ferroni. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant goal. Just, you know, flicked it up with one foot, hit it with his left foot from outside of the area, hit the bar, went in. Brilliant goal. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see Mourinho lose as well for a change. Uh, And uh, the last game on Sunday saw the big one of the weekend, Juventus and AC Milan. That finished 1-1 good away result for AC Milan to continue, again to continue their impressive start. Monday saw Napoli beat Udinese 4-0 away. Four different goal scorers for Napoli. Tuesday we saw Bologna and Genoa complete a 2-2 draw. Atalanta beat Sassuolo 2-1 to complete their miserable week. Inter Milan got an impressive 3-1 away win to Fiorentina who get my performance of the weekend that Milan do for that and the result on Saturday nine different nine goals in those two games six points good stuff uh, Wednesday yesterday obviously we saw Salernitana draw 2-2 with Verona they got their first point for Salernitana but they still remain bottom Juve only just beat Spezia away 3-2 and Spezia were actually 2-1 up it took a Matthias Delict winner in, I think it was the 70-odd minute, uh, to get them the three points they so desperately needed. AC Milan, again, were impressive. 2-0 at home to Venetia. And Empoli won 2-0 away to Cagliari. And yeah, they are the results for the previous uh, sort of match days. At the moment, we have two games playing. Napoli are 2-0 up away to Sampdoria and Torino and Lazio is currently 0-0. But as it stands, with the results going the way they are, Napoli will be on 15 points from five games, maximum points, started incredibly well under uh, Spalletti. They look a very good outfit. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we have, you know, as of right now in terms of the results. In terms of the table, both Milan clubs are first and second within or just above AC Milan, both on 13 points. But obviously, that will change if Napoli do indeed win their game. Uh, Salerno Turner, obviously, I mentioned, got their first point against Verona, but they still are bottom. Chiro Immobile remains top of the goal scoring charts with five goals. And Inter's Nicolo Barella is top for assists with four to his name so far. Obviously, I mentioned my performance of the weekend and the week within the Milan. Um, my player of the week goes to Edin Dzeko. He got three goals in two games. Looks like a really shrewd piece of business. 
doesn't really look like they're really are missing Lukaku, Hakimi, and Conte as much as everybody thought. To be honest, they look they look uh, decent. You know, doing a really good job, um, and Inzaghi's doing good stuff with them. So, you know, entertaining stuff as usual. When is it not entertaining when it comes to Serie A? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> it's always entertaining. Don't give me that. Look at them. <laughs> look at them results. You know, there's not. There is not one nil-nil in all of those games, apart from the one currently going on now. <laughs> yeah, OK, that's fine. I mean, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't watch on a regular basis to have a real opinion on that. Um, so, yeah. Um, right, anyone who's been wondering, well, they haven't mentioned Lee Gurn yet, there was more fighting going on So um, in, in French football. So, Alex, what happened and why was there more fighting? Fucking hell, it's ridiculous amounts of crap going down in, in Liga. It, it, some people describe it as like a quite a low point. I think in, in my head, it strikes me as the stories I've heard of British hooliganism. So to bring people up to date, there has now been there's now been uh, five a, a total of five pitch invasions in Liga from six match days. So that's pretty much one per match day. I mean, it, that that's averaged out because there was two last night. Obviously, we were we were calling this on a Thursday. Uh, last night in Ligue 1, uh, 22nd, at the end of the PSG Mets game, uh, I believe Mets fans invaded the pitch, going for the PSG fans. Um, at the same time, in Marseille v Angers, ironically, just after I'd switched off, uh, both fans invaded the pitch. They broke stadium equipment. Marseille have kind of been... Uh, you you know when you know in Among Us where you you keep reporting dead bodies and it's not you but it's beginning to look a bit suspicious. Well, Marseille like a match day one they played Montpellier and the Montpellier fans they they were the home fans they were no question one million percent at fault for um, Pie and well the fans getting bottled basically a game being suspended. Same when Marseille played Nice. No question, these were 100% at fault for the, the, the pitch being invaded. That was the really big one that went viral, where the, the advertising hall has just got broken down. People got punched in the face on the pitch. Um, but the recent one listed against Anja, I didn't see, but maybe that was a bit more even. And then there was the Lonsvik Lille game, where uh, at half-time, Lille fans have been... That's another heated derby in France. There is a lot of Probably more than in England, there's a lot of games of huge attached importance to them, of which is like emotional, I guess. And that's what happened with Lonsvik Lil. Uh, Lil fans picked up seats, set them on fire, or some crap. They were thrown on the pitch. Then Lons fans, this is at half time, by the way. Lons fans like invade the pitch to go to rush it. But there's been three state, three match suspension, suspension so far. Is Outrageous, I have to say, it's outrageous. I mean, that's just. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a league where it's been that much fighting. You had the you had the era back in the early noughties when you know whenever Arsenal played Man U, it seemed to cause a, a fight. But to have that many fights in such a short space of time has it been four or five weeks in French football so far? To have to have that many fights, I mean, it makes the league more interesting, I suppose. It makes neutrals want to watch it. Well, they know it's going to be a fight. Yeah. It's the thing where it's like, I think it was on the pod, last time I was on, Andy, I'm not sure you were on, I, I thought, we were discussing a couple of the fights, and I said, 
At, at the moment, it's interesting. It's heated. It's making the league almost more watchable because, like, oh my god, I don't know who's going to get attacked live on TV next. But it is getting to the point now where it's like it's predictable in a way where it's less interesting. Like mm. I didn't, I didn't. When I saw there'd been a couple of picture versions last night, I was like, oh god. But I didn't react in the same way I did for the first one. And you know, if all of this is happening when Lionel Messi is at PSG. <laughs> and that's not gone. That's not gone very good either. It has to be said. Yeah, I mean, Daniel C was in Mike Cohen's comments. He thought that Messi actually sh- PSG shouldn't have bought him if he felt that he wasn't good for. He wasn't a good fit. Did anyone see his comments? I'll try and find him now. What is that? That sounds, that sounds like the most intelligent thing Michael Owen said in about a decade. Okay, yeah, Mike So Mike Owen says PSG a weaker with Lionel Messi in their team. Mike Owen claims. <laughs> Okay, PSG, were held by, PSG were held by Club Bruges as Lionel Messi made his first Champions League appearance for the club. Um, Mike Owen has claimed that PSG are a weaker side after the addition of Lionel Messi. Let's see the quote. Where's the quote? As much as we drool over this PSG team with those forwards, I really don't understand why they're one of the favourites for the Champions League. That's a stupid comment. They're all phenomenal players in their own right, but three together makes it weaker for me. I think English, English teams are far superior. Well, far, far superior. So you've made it really emphasize that. Um, I almost feel as though the signings of the likes of Donnarumma and Sergio Ramos gives them more of a chance of winning the Champions League than signing someone like Messi. Um, I mean, that's fair enough, I suppose. I mean, they, they got a good attack as it is, I suppose. But even so, I think that... I, I can't lie. Getting... I, 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 mostly, I mostly agree with him. He's, he's clickbaited the shit out of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> the English teams are far, far... That sounds like something what GB News would have put out before they like fell into the abyss. But... He's not wrong. I mean, Van has gone to PSG, and that that on that looks like a completely useless signing. I mean, the last the game in the weekend against Lyon, he didn't start because he wouldn't have. He he's not really been effective. Mm. Um, like you, you lose track of who else they signed, and then the attack Messi. So Messi hasn't gotten a goal or assist so far, and obviously PSG played Club Bruges last week, and they weren't very good. I the the man you have to bring it all back to is Pochettino. It kind of has to be said. I I, I was talking to a few Ligue 1 fans. And it, it pays to say this because I'm sure Ryan will take a bit more joy from it uh, as, as an Arsenal fan. But I was a big fan of to- uh, Pochettino at Tottenham. I think he's a lot better than some people like to drag him down for just because he didn't win a trophy. But I, I really struggled to see any progress he's made at PSG. Like since the 1920 season when they got to the Champions League final, without a doubt they've gone backwards. Like That was when they were playing a 4-4-2 of Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi slash Cavani. And Di Maria, like me saying that sounds exciting. And it was under Tuchel, and it really did work. Like they were brilliant in league earn. But since then, they've it's just not worked in attack. Like players are just grouped together. They don't really get any space. Like you could you could see. I don't know if you, any of you watched either game PSG have played recently, but there's not. It it doesn't feel like a team. It just feels like a a group of really good individuals parked on the pitch who haven't really got too much time. And, yeah, I don't think it's gelled at all so far. Like, Pochettino really needs to buck his ideas up because I'm I'm with Owen. I'm, right now, if you were to ask me who would win the Champions League, PSG would be in the top three on current standings. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, I think that Wijnaldum, um, I hope he is rubbish because he can come back to us. Um, but if you look at sort of the, the Galacticos era, we all did back in the 80s, thousands. I mean, I'm looking at one of their seasons right now. So their team, they had Ike Casillas, 
Carl, Roberto Carlos, Dan, Raul, Ronaldo, Luis Figo, um, Nasser's mentioned a few, and they had all these big players. They did it purposely, I think, marketing wise to get the biggest player from each country. They, when they got Beckham as well, and yeah. um, they, they they finished fourth in La Liga, runners up in Copa del Rey, and got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I mean, I remember that team. They won that whole group. They had all those players together. They won zero Champions Leagues when they were together. So I do think that sometimes is the whole the whole thing of having too many big egos, too many big players. And I think that it's our whole phrase of too many cooks boil the broth. And I think sometimes. You know, sometimes we look at um, sort of the Alec Ferguson days at Man U and people like uh, Mike, um, Darren Fletcher and Jason Park, these players were not, nothing special, but the way they played in that team made them play much better. And I think, I think sometimes it's not all about having the flash players. Sometimes it's about having these, these workhorses, these players that aren't anything flash, but they'll get the job done. And I think that's why people like Ferguson love Darren Fletcher, they love John O'Shea, they loved decent part because they're not going to give you 10 out of 10 performances but they're going to give you just solid reliable and there's people you know you can trust so i do think maybe they have got too many big egos too many i mean to players. quickly bolster that point really i mean it's a good note for ryan as he said because there's a bit to speak there but to really bolster that point if you told you has been psg's best player in the last few games has been under herrera in midfield he's, wow, he's, wow, wow. He, i think he scored three goals but he he's looked like easily the player who's most comfortable in the side. Everyone else just like Mbappe. Lo- the last game I watched for PSG, I didn't watch them last night against I think it was Mets, but I watched them at the weekend against Leon. And Mbappe barely had a touch. Like he looked so out of place as a lone striker. It was only when Icardi came on, like uh, like by by most people's accounts, a less handed player than any of Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, or Messi. It was only when Icardi came on and I think Messi had come off and De Rue had come off, then PSG actually looked like a team. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how they're going to do. And I think that maybe we are being too gung-ho. It is only September. Maybe over time they'll, they'll develop their sort of team chemistry. Maybe over time they will, um, you know, Messi. I think I, I think personally Messi will come through. I think it's just been a dodgy start. I remember Suarez had a bad start at Barca and then he... And he got going and they won the Champions League. So I think maybe we are being a bit too sort of speaking a bit too early. So we'll see what happens in maybe March, February time. Uh, but yeah, what, what did you want to say, Ryan? Um, you are being too gung ho. It it does it does come down to that word balance. Having that in the team is obviously vital. And I don't I like Pochettino actually as a as, as a manager. Um, I just don't rate him. He done a Good job at Tottenham. Didn't win anything, though. And has gone to PSG. The fact that they didn't win the league last season was poor enough, even though Lille did a great job. They still should have easily won that. Mm. And, it, and you know, when you bring as many new players into a squad like they have, and especially being that they're all first-team players that they've brought in as well. You, you know, you look at Ramos, Hakimi. Obviously, I know Wijnaldum's not been playing that much, but... You know, him as well. Then Messi, you know, bringing all these players in at once, it's always going to take time for them to gel and for them to get up to speed. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a different league. It's a different language, a different style of play. So they they will get better as the season goes on. And you can tell by those comments made from Michael Owen that he is someone who only watches these teams in the Champions League. Oh, and yeah. that is it. He has no understanding of, you know, and he, 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 they'll get the stats on in the screen and 
show them what they've done in the league over the last, you know, however many games. And they'll just go by that. You know, they won't watch, you know, games, obviously, week in, week out from these European leagues. So they don't, you know, they don't put enough research and effort into it. And that's why I don't tend to listen to them. You know, the people that you should listen to are the people on the Champions League Gold Show on BT Sports. Or the, the Euro Trips podcast. Or on the Euro Trips podcast. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the likes of, obviously, uh, Julian Laurens and... Um, oh, I can't remember their... James Horncastle. Now. James Horncastle, uh, Rafa Honigstein. You know, yeah, these, are, these, the these, these are guys who actually have a good knowledge and a good understanding and an unbiased standard of uh, punditry. And that's, they're the kind of people that I will listen to, not fucking Michael Owen or Steve McManaman or fucking, you know, Paul Merson or any of these other guys because they really only stand and only understand English football, in my opinion. They don't, they don't listen to anything do, else. Do you know what I think that's funny as well, host? Like, right, I'm sure you can relate to this, especially like, when, when is it, so I'm right now in the background, I've got Sam Dora v. Napoli on, right? And mm. I'm sure in the studio, they've got James Horncastle. Uh, they've got like some big Serie A experts, okay, but, but they're they're not like traditionally well known. Isn't it funny how if Napoli were playing City or something, be like BT or the TV network go right. Let's get the Serie A expert out and let's get Michael Warrior in because this is a big game where more people will be watching. Is like, what is that logic of let's get someone in who's watched this team less because more people will be watching what we're about to say? It's 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 exactly that. It's just for. The, the casual English supporters who just, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't listen to, to James Horncastle. They don't, you know, listen to his podcast. They don't watch Serie A. So, you know, they're just going to, you know, put it on. And they're the kind of names that they want to see because they know that they're probably going to say controversial things or, you know, do, you know, say clickbait things, you know, a bit like, you know, certain other platforms do as well. So, that's the only reason to do that, and I don't agree with it whatsoever. Sky Sports used to do it; they've done exactly the same thing. They used to, used to have Jamie Redknapp on there, who couldn't even pronounce Stefano Sharari's name. You know, this oh, is my mum will not want to hear you stand up, Jamie Redknapp. I tell you that she would not want to hear it. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having to go, Jamie Redknapp. You know, he's 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 all right. You know, when he's talking about English clubs, but having him on a Champions League game where where he doesn't really know a lot about either team makes zero sense so it'd be good if you know these channels would pick up on that a little bit more but i'd ask you know i don't watch the games i watch the goal show and i tell other people to do the same i mean this is why myself i try to avoid giving my my world 11 because i don't watch i don't watch these league records so i find it hard to give my best world 11 because all i watch these players is just the big champs league games and the major international tournaments so that's why i whenever i get asked about who's what, who's the best 11 players in the world? I always say I can't really give an opinion because I don't watch their week in, week out for the leagues, apart from when I see an amazing goal by Haaland on Twitter or I see a great goal by Messi or a great goal by someone else like that. Um, I do think one, um, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Alex. I think a good channel for European comment is also Football Daily. I think that. Oh, yeah. Like, um, Chris Hamill, you got. Um, Patrick Van Straten, I don't know how you say his name. Patrick Van Straten. Yeah, him as well. And I think that channel, they, they do, obviously they are Premier League heavy, but they do also cover the, the other leagues. Like right. Yeah, if you want the Europeans, let's go to Euro Football Daily. Yeah, or Euro Trips, as you got as we were all saying. Um, 
So, before we do finish our podcast for this week, um, who was your player and goal of the week in League Gun, Alex? Oh, what a question. Um, <laughs> player of the week um, slightly gets the results back up to, reminds himself. Uh, my player of the week, Mr. Andy Davis, would have definitely been... Uh, I'm at a disadvantage because I've watched PSG v Leon and there wasn't a player of the week in that because it was so bad. Um, but I think I did watch a bit of Nice v Monaco and I'm just mm-hmm. reminding myself of who scored in that game to remind me of any of the... Uh... I tell you, Giri. I mean Giri of um, Nice. Got an assist at the weekend and I've been writing about him recently. Did miss uh, a when... penalty. He did miss a penalty. Did he? Yep, yep. Meh, okay. He's still, <laughs> he, he's 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 the one who's come to my head. And uh, I watched the, I, I watched the game as well. Yeah, it was a good game. Yeah. Um, good goal of the week was from Liga. I guess specifically would be a Cardi against Leon because that was a uh, that was quite a good goal. Um, last minute against Leon. Before we end, I just want to ask Mr. Davis something. Oh, here we go. Here we go. If you had to choose. Between Curtis Jones and Martin Odegaard, who would you pick right now to have in your team? Curtis Jones. <laughs> Fuck off. Wait, what? Really? No, no, I, I, no, I would I'm asking. No, I, I would pick Odegaard, but only because I'm, he's more advanced in his career. I think that Curtis Jones, I think, is an excellent prospect. He is. Oh, so I you're think... saying Curtis Jones would be a better player than Odegaard? I understand. No, I, I don't know. I don't. I think I don't know. But I no. think. <laughs> I think Curtis Jones will be a great player, but I think in terms of where they are in their careers, right now, I would pick Udegaard. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm only asking it because Alex put his under-23 combined team on Twitter and he put Curtis Jones ahead of him. Oh, no, I take I take that position. No, I didn't. I put Udegaard to the left, you Wally. Yeah, and well, behind Mason Mount. Did I? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, no, I did. I put him behind Mount. That's only because... Uh, I want I I was very very close to putting Erdegaard in. Like I what, personally, I would put him in, but out of respect for what Mount's done, I put Mount in. Um, I take Curtis Jones out of that team though, and I put Bubakari Samari in, and I put Skip below him. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. No, the Jones Jones one's the bad take. Uh, I wouldn't say the bad take. Curtis Jones is an excellent prospect. I think he he's already made fifty appearances at his young age, and he's I think whenever I see him play, he's always impressive. He's great on the ball. He's a great presence in that midfield, and I think that obviously he's not going to get a game right now because we've got such a good midfield as it is. But I do think that you know if there is, we've obviously lost one out into PSG, lost Javier to injury. Naby Keita can't stay fit, so he'll be injured at some point. I think Curtis Jones will at some point in the season get a regular run of games in the league, and I think we're going to again see him get better and better and really just. He, was, he had confidence already. When I saw him in an interview at pre-season about two years ago, he seemed very confident then. So I think he's got even more confidence in himself now. Now he's played and got a Premier League winner's medal. Um, and I think, personally, he's going to go on and on and just be an excellent, excellent prospect for us. But right now, I think I would take Udegaard because he's already played for Real Madrid. He's already scored goals for Arsenal and he's probably one of Arsenal's best players this season. So, yeah. But Curtis Jones, remember the name. Yeah. I was going to jump in and just remind people why I don't like Empoli. And that is because we have a trip planned. Well, we have several trip plans. Uh, but I tried to get tickets for an Empoli game on a Friday night in Serie A. 
and they weren't even playing a good team. £80 a ticket. And that stadium looks like something from fucking 1942. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't lie. That, that's, that sounds like God sending you a message saying, are you sure you want to go to Italy to watch a Serie A game and it'd be Empoli you watch? No, it was only because... <laughs> it was only because we, we, we were going on the Wednesday and coming back on the Sunday and there was nothing else on the Friday night. So I thought, well, let's go and watch the only Serie A game on the Friday night. But looking at that... That stadium looks like something that was bombed in 1942. Honest to God, Jesus, so bad. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of glad because it's my birthday that day as well. So you know, I didn't want to spend it, you know, freezing. You know, Ryan's going to spend his birthday getting hunted by Empoli fan groups. I take it out. Go. I hope the train goes straight from Rome to Milan, straight past there, because. Now, now this is out, you know, I'm going to be in big trouble. Yeah, and I don't think I told you this before, Ryan, but I can't change the dates on the, on that. Um, basically, I, I, anyone who's listening, I stupidly I bought tickets for Kasabian, forgetting the dates we were going to go. So um, I put this, obviously, we're going on a Wednesday, so I bought tickets on that Wednesday, but there's also tickets for the same place the day before. So I, um, you know, I, I finally found someone who'd buy two tickets for the Wednesday, and we'd buy the Tuesday. But then I looked on Tuesday today, and... There's only one ticket available. So, so oh no, Andy. So you're saying you're gonna have to go watch Kasabian instead of head to Italy to watch Empoli. Oh no. Uh, uh, actually, no. he actually he would have. He's missing um, AC Milan at home in the Champions League to Porto. Oh, okay. No, yeah, you've been done over that. But we've actually got great that's great for content now because we can just do a thing where you know one minute you'll see Ryan and Naeem uh, or anyone else in in Italy, and then you'll see me having a great time watching Kasabian. So I think you've got extra contact now, I suppose. So, But I'll get the flight out Thursday morning and meet you all there. Yeah, so everyone listening, keep an eye on our YouTube channel um, from mid-October onwards. Unless Boris Johnson decides to um, dig in and get involved and ruin our, in, ruin our plans. <laughs> in, in which we'll be fucked. Yeah, but we can just go to somewhere in the UK instead <laughs> which is not not as good but um, that's, that's yeah. a depressing thought well it, it depends what we see like the thought of seeing if we're going to see Port Vale again Shrewsbury yeah I probably wouldn't bother but yeah no, no disrespect to Port Vale or Shrewsbury I think this well, conversation is I think this conversation is tangented it has yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the podcast I mean, um, Andy I mean, Jamie, if you're listening, I know I know one Port Vale fan, and I, I know he may listen to this. So, Jamie, no, no one, no then, one cares about Port Jamie Pratt. Port Vale. Sorry, Jamie, <laughs> no one cares about Port Vale. I don't know where that is. And, and he's also and he's also a, a fake Scot as well. He, he, he thinks he's Scottish as well. So he, he sports Rangers as well. Um, Alex, Alex's thoughts are his thoughts, and his thoughts learn they are not in any way, shape, or form the thoughts of Eurodrips. <laughs> exactly. That's what a way to end. So. That has been our podcast for this week. You can catch me and the boys back again next week for more European reviews, more European chat. And yeah, so I have been your host, Andy, and this has been Alex, and this has been Ryan. Cheers. Thank you. Hi, I'm Astro Begovic, and you're watching Eurotrips.